0: Leave. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter three. That shouldn't be a surprise. Um, we kind of hung in there for a while. Um, we're going to stay there for for another Sunday here. Um, Talked last week about the, the the issue in the church being the carnality of the Christians. Um, and and we, we remember we wrote Paul while he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to. I try to. I'm sure I'll forget it sometimes, but. When I say Paul wrote, I always want to make sure I clarify that to say Paul penned, but the Holy Spirit wrote. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit that inspired Paul's words. Um, and so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had told the Corinthian church that their problem was that they were yet carnal. Amen. Right? And he kind of he kind of expressed that to them, that they had everything they needed to be exactly what God wanted them to be. They had the Holy Spirit, they had good teaching. Uh, they had they had good leadership in their church. They had each other. They had the body of Christ, right? They had each other. So they had everything they needed. But when Paul looked at the fruit of the, the testimony of their lives, it was obvious that they were beginning to choose to act and think and believe and behave like the world and the culture around them. That was leaking into the church. And the real issue that we've been talking about is that they were distracted, that their eyes were not on Christ, their hearts were not centered in Christ, they weren't growing in Christ, in his grace, and in his truth, and instead they were kind of drifting back out. And we said last week, and I think for the most part, most of us agreed, we can relate to that. I can relate to that in my own life. There's been, I can take you back many times over my Christian journey where I have drifted away and found myself thinking, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. I felt like I was close to the Lord a month ago, or a week ago, or a year ago, and now I feel distant. And now I'm thinking like the world, and acting like the world, and behaving like the world. And so the Holy Spirit is going to remind them of something here in this next section that has the power to kind of snap them out of it, right? Something that can inspire them to refocus on their eyes on Christ. He's going to point them towards a day that's coming. Right? He's, going to, he's going to paint a picture of a day ahead. A day when they're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. Right. Now that will snap you out anyway. Yeah. 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 Now I don't, want to, I don't want to confuse the text or take it out of context. There's no doubt about it as you read this text you can tell that Paul is speaking a lot to ministers. He said, we are God's fellow workers. And you are God's building. You're God's field. Right? So he is speaking to ministers. He is speaking to those that are teaching in the church and those things. And he's talking about that. But he also comes along and he links it in and he says, "All, everyone. Everyone. So this passage of Scripture is to all believers. And let me show you a, a, a kind of a supporting Scripture to that really quickly before we read in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's right. Now it doesn't say for all preachers must appear, but it also doesn't say for no preachers will appear Because every single one of us as individuals will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one of us, why would we have to go to the judgment seat of Christ? We've been saved. That each one of us may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now listen, you may be sitting here this morning, and you may have been struggling lately, You may be struggling to keep your heart centered in Christ. Maybe you're struggling with the weight of living the Christian life. It is weighty. It is is hard. It is narrow at times. Maybe you're wrestling with yourself on the inside. Maybe you feel distant. Maybe you feel distracted. Maybe you feel disappointed or discouraged or disheartened or whatever. I believe this message can help you today. I really do. As As God gave it to me, I truly believe that it can help. God is not trying to use this message and neither am I to condemn you but to speak to you. Mm -hmm. Right? He wants our hearts to come back to Him. He wants our eyes to get re-centered in Him. He wants us to come back to truth. Right? And He knows how strong and how powerful the culture is and the world is and sin is and how it can jump in and it can kind of creep its way in and pull away. And so this is our this is our moment. Remember last week during the message I said I said I'm not going to give you 3 points on how to get rid of the worldliness. Because I knew this message was coming when Paul said I'm going to give you one point on how to get rid of worldly thinking. One point on how to get your eyes refocused on Christ. So now let's look together in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 9 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3 9 through 15. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Remember that part of the dispute there was some said, I'm of Paul. And some said, I'm of Apollos. And Paul said, I just came and planted seed. Apollos came in watered." And here he's saying the same thing. He's saying, I laid a foundation for you. I, I, I taught you about Christ. Apollos came back and began to build on that foundation. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, now now look at verse 12, because that's where it ties into everybody. Now, if anyone, that's me and you included, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become (coughs) clear for the day with a capital D will declare it. You with me? He will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Amen? Amen. I want to show you that there's really three judgments listed in the Scriptures. We just read this one, and we'll talk about it here in just a few minutes. But there are three distinct judgments in Scriptures. There is the judgment of the unsaved. And the Bible calls that the great white throne judgment. You can read all about that. I'm not going to go into detail with you, but in Revelation chapter 20, this is the judgment of sinners. Sinners. This is the judgment of unbelievers. Because you say, well now, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I say, Amen. Amen. All have sinned and come short. That's very true. And this great white throne judgment would be the judgment we all had to face. Except this is the judgment that Christ took on our behalf. So this is the judgment that, that Christ came and He died a sinner's death even though He had not sinned. Yeah. Amen. you got to believe that to be a Christian. Amen. Amen. He had not sinned and He came and suffered the sinner's death. He took the wrath of God that belonged to us and we took the righteousness that was His and now we're made right with God so we get to escape this judgment as believers. Unbelievers. Do not. This escaping is for those of us who by grace through faith have trusted in the finished work of Jesus to save us. He paid the penalty for our sins. Amen. But but we have to by faith believe that. We have to come to a place where we believe that. God has to reveal it to our eyes so that we can see it. But for all those that's rejected Christ, on this day, this this day of great white throne judgment that you would read about in Revelation 20, this is the day that you kneel before God and the books will be opened. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says another book will be opened, which is the book of life. And any man whose name is not found written in that book will be cast into the lake of fire.
1: Amen.
0: Now that's just Scripture. That's not that's not judgment on my part. That's just Bible. It's just me telling you the truth. You say, well, people don't like to talk about judgment. People don't like to talk about a lot of things that doesn't make it not true. Amen. <laughs> I'm thankful today that as Christians, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he didn't point to the great white throne judgment. He pointed to a different one. Now there is another judgment that I want to tell you about. This is is not a a, a final day of judgment. This is an everyday judgment that we're under. It's a practical judgment, a judgment of our daily choices as believers. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is when a believer, listen to me, this is this you need to hear this. This is when a believer willfully sins and chooses to disobey the scriptures, and then God judges that believer and chastens him. Right? I'm gonna show you the scripture, Hebrews chapter twelve, verses five through eleven. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? And that tells you who they're talking to. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And He scourges every son whom He receives. Amen. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? Mm-hmm. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers... All believers have become partakers. Then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we pay them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But He chastens us for our profit. That we might be partakers of His holiness. Now, no chastening, everybody should be able to say amen to this Scripture. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful when it's happening. I don't know anybody that likes to be chastened. No chastening seems to be joyful in the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, I believe that every true Christian in this church today and in any church in the whole world has experienced this judgment. Unless you just got saved like 30 minutes ago. You have have likely been chastened of the Lord for something. This is where God just disciplines His children. It's out of love for us that we might be partakers of His holiness. And and, and Paul is, is, is explaining that to them. But what Paul is saying to the Corinthians church is a different day. He's not talking about this Holy Spirit conviction, this chastisement of God. He's not talking about the great white throne judgment. He's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. This is the final judgment for all believers. Every believer that's ever lived... And every believer that ever will live will face this judgment that Paul is talking about to the Corinthian church. We've escaped the wrath of God. We've escaped the white throne judgment. But we still have a day appointed to us where we're going to stand before our Lord and our Savior and give an account of our lives. Amen. Amen? Lest we get complacent and say, I'm saved and it don't matter. Mm -hmm. The Lord has set up a system to say you will give an account for your life as a believer. Look at verse 13. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it. It will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. This is a judgment of our service to God. That's what this judgment is. It's a judgment of our service to God. You can go back and read it again and you can see where he says you are God's building and the foundation has been laid and that foundation is Jesus. And there's no other foundation that anybody can lay. So as we know, Jesus is the foundation of a new believer's life. The foundation that cannot be shaken it cannot be moved. Amen? Amen. He's the rock that we can depend on. The wise man built his house upon a rock, not upon the shifting sands of culture in the world, right? And this is that rock. Christ is faithful. The foundation of God stands sure. This judgment is not about the foundation. This judgment that we're talking about is not about whether or not we're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you won't be at this judgment. You'll be at the great white throne judgment. But at this judgment, this is for those who are in Christ and it's not about whether or not the foundation is sure. That's settled in heaven. This is about what you built on that foundation. Now let's go back and look. There's six types of building material
1: okay.
0: that we can use to build on it. The six building materials, guess what they don't do? They don't change the foundation. That's right. But the material we build with is important. Look in verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Six types of Of building material. What's the difference? Three of them won't burn. Three of them will definitely burn. You're not going to burn up gold and silver and precious stone. When you put those things in a fire, it purifies them. You put a stick, you put some hay and straw in a fire. It's gone. Amen? It's gone. Hear me out this morning. These materials represent the work of our lives in service to God. These materials are types of works that we have done in our Christian life. Now, don't get confused this morning about what I'm preaching. These works, they don't save you. They don't make you a Christian. The foundation does that. And there is no foundation other than Jesus. So it's the foundation that makes you a Christian. These works don't make you a Christian. Salvation is not a work of men. It's a work of God. Start to finish. But these works do determine what sort of Christian you are. And this is important because you say, well, it doesn't matter as long as I've got the foundation. These works determine your rewards. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Listen to me. On the day that we stand before the Lord, our lives, our works will go through the testing of fire. Gold and silver and precious stones will abide and will receive a reward. But the wood and hay and straw will be burned up and the Bible says we'll suffer loss. This day is going to reveal what kind of Christian life we really lived. Remember what Paul's trying to address. He's saying you're being so worldly and carnal, and you're falling into the traps of the world. And now He's saying, and one day you're going to give account for it.
1: Yes.
0: He's pointing them forward and saying, we got to fix it now. Amen. Because there's a day ahead mm-hmm. when you're going to meet this Savior face to face. And you may think that you're going to throw your hands up and say, praise God, I'm home. But you have better live a life. Because you know what the Bible says? It says make sure that you walk in holiness. I'm paraphrasing. Make sure that you walk in holiness so when the, He appears, you won't have to be ashamed that His coming. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's going to be a lot of Christians who stand before the throne of Christ our Savior. They'll get to heaven for sure. But they will be sore ashamed of the life they lived on this earth. Yeah. Now that's the truth. We're going to find out whether we live for Christ or self on that day. Yeah. And there won't be any opportunity for excuses, for explanations, for justifications. The fire will determine what lasts and what don't. Amen. If it goes through the fire and it comes out on the other side, it was good. Yeah. Amen. If it don't, it was wood and hay and straw. Every single day that we live as Christians matters. Every single day. Every day has an eternal impact whether we gain rewards or whether we suffer loss. It won't matter what, what men thought about you. It won't matter. Only what God knows about you. It won't matter what you say you are. Only what the fire proves you are. Amen? Amen? It won't matter what you say you've done. It'll only matter what the fire lets you keep. Now what works will last and how can we know what will be burned and what will remain? There's all kinds of work we can do for God. There are uh, too many to list. But let me say this about some general things about all of our work. Motive and attitude matter. Matter. Now I'm not making a statement as a preacher of my opinion. I'm making a statement as a preacher of the gospel. Motive and attitude towards work for the Lord matters. Let me show you this first. Because it's not just about what you've done. It's about why you did what you've done. And it's about the attitude that you did it with. God will look at attitude... Not just accomplishments. Now you got a hold of that. That's hard preaching. But it's meant to strengthen you. Let me show you what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to give you two quick examples and then I'll move on from that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes woe is me if I do not preach the gospel but now listen to what he says here but if I do this willingly I have a reward did you catch it if I do this willingly I have a reward but if I do it against my will I have been entrusted with a stewardship and what is my reward then is what the scripture goes on to say. What is my reward then? So Paul said, I, and I have to preach. I know it's my calling of God. If I would choose to do it willingly, I'll get a reward for the work. But if I have to be forced by God to do it, oh, he'll force me. But, I'll have no reward. Attitude matters. Amen. Let me show you another example. 2 Corinthians 9, 5-7. through seven. This one hits home. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Now wait, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, For God loves a cheerful giver. So now now you say, last one you can get away and you say, well, I'm not called to preach. But now God says, same thing about giving. As an example. Right? As an example. He said, you can give, and you can say, what's my obligation to give? And do it begrudgingly and out of necessity. And you'll have, and listen, I believe I can say it with boldness, you'll have zero reward in heaven for that. Or you can give out of a cheerful heart, out of love for the work of the ministry, out of love for the church, out of love for your neighbor that it's helping or whatever. You give out of generosity, out of love, and you are going to reap bountifully in heaven. It's a matter of the attitude. It's not just what you do. It's why and how you do what you do. Jesus summed it up here. Matthew 6, 1 and 2. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven.
1: Did
0: you see it? That, that, those words, that word reward just keeps coming back, right? There are rewards in heaven to get. But if you do everything so that men will think you're cool or great or so that people will think, oh, Bill, he's so godly. Verily I say unto you, you have your rewards. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you like the hypocrites do. Hello, everyone. I see all these videos on Facebook all the time of people tipping their waitresses these big tips, and they record it with their cell phones. Yeah. And apparently I say unto them, you had your reward. You'll get 700 likes on Facebook. Congratulations. I want something eternal. Yeah. You do what the sin he says, he says, you set a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory for men. But assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. Amen. It's not just what you do. It's why you do what you do and how you do Amen. what you do. Amen. Well, preacher, I went to church all my life. I never missed a Sunday. What did you want to? (laughs) I got a a couple people having a hard look at me there. (laughs) Well, I was a pastor and I preached every Sunday. Well, did you do it willingly or begrudgingly? There'll be many sermons i preached that may have benefited you that will not lay up one bit of reward for me in heaven because I came up with the wrong attitude. Well, I gave my money to the church. What well, did you do, it, freely? With a cheerful heart, yeah. or with bitterness? Yeah. Well, I was a part of this ministry, or I did this missions work, or I did this or that. Okay, did you do it to? Did you do it to be seen of men, or did you do it for God? That's, right. yeah. Amen. that's what the fire is going to reveal. Amen. Amen. Now, see, I can't reveal it, Amen. and you can hide it from me, but you won't hide it from the fire. Amen. Right? And that's what Paul's. Re- That's what Paul's saying to them. But it's not just about those things. Let me give you another principle of this. It's not just what you did that's going to go through the fire. It's what you didn't do. You're going to give account for the things you didn't do. Now, now some may say, see, well, if God's going to test my motives and God's going to test my attitude, I just won't do anything so God won't have anything to test. (laughs) Wrong. Wrong. God's going to judge each of us based on the abilities and gifts He's given us. Whether or not we use them to build up His kingdom. Amen. Yep. Now, some people have more ability than others. Amen? Amen. God has gifted some people tremendously and others not, not as much. But we all have a gift. Make no mistake about that. Let's go to Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 38. Y'all should have, you're going to wish you'd sang more, because now I'll preach until I fill up the time. (laughs) I can go right on. I don't have this one on the screen. Oh, yeah, I do. I don't think I need Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 48. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. That's good advice. It's actually a command. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may be open to him immediately. This is what we were talking about earlier, so that we don't have to be ashamed when he comes. Blessed are those servants whom the Master, when He comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, He'll gird Himself and have them sit down to eat. And He'll come and serve them. We sing a, a, a hymn here, Holy Manna. Christ will gird Himself and service with sweet manna all around. And if He should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Then Peter said, Lord, do you speak this parable to us only or to everybody? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise steward? whom his master will make ruler over his household to give him their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, now listen, this is the Corinthian church. This is what's happening. If that servant should say in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him. Man, what about that scripture right there? And at an hour when he's not aware, and he'll cut him in two and appoint his portion with unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do anything to his according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed these, committed things deserving of strife, shall be beaten with few. For everyone, here's a principle for you. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much is required. Man. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. To whom much is given, Much is required. Has God given you the gift to teach? To preach? To sing? To help? To organize? To encourage? You better start using them. God gave it to you. And He's given it to you and there'll be fruit required from it. You say, well, preacher, I don't know. I don't even know my, what my gift is. Well, start looking for it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I don't know what your gift is either. But God does. Amen. Start digging in and look for it. Look for a way to be useful in God's kingdom. Yeah. Now listen to me because we all need to hear this. Mm-hmm. This is an important part of... spiritual competition with one another amen it doesn't matter what you do compared to somebody else so don't get distracted looking at what everybody else is doing get focused on what God has gifted you to do the Bible makes it very clear on this day we stand for ourselves and not for another. I don't have to give account for Claudia. I don't have to give account for Joel. I give account for me. Amen. Amen. Did I do what God had gifted amen. me to do? <laughs> that means I should spend less time looking at what everybody else is doing and more time looking at what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, amen. We've got to get focused on what he's done for us. You remember the little widow woman? I know I'm preaching a long time. I've got a little bit more to go. Remember the little widow woman that gave her one mite? Jesus, it said Jesus was leaning up against the wall and he was watching as they came to put their offerings in. And the, there they came and they dropped their big money in. The Pharisees and all these people and they dropped their money in and they beat their chest. Oh, I thank God that I can give more than everybody else. And Jesus was watching. He wasn't impressed. Here comes the little widow woman. She put one little mite in. Just like this little, Just like this little penny right here. And she just dropped it in the bucket and the Bible said that's all she had left. She put that in and Jesus was blown away. He was like, what faith? He said, this one woman has given more than them all put together. Not any one of them individually. All of them put together because she gave out of her want. She gave out of her need. You see, it's not a competition. That widow woman gave all she could. And that was enough. Amen? Amen. All she could. Guys, if you're working for the Lord and doing all you can do, it's enough. It's enough. But God knows if you're doing all you can do. We should comfort one another, but we should make sure we remember. You can convince me it's all you can do, and it may be. And I could pat you on the back all day and say, well, that's good. It's good enough. But God knows whether it was all you really could do. The fire will determine it. God's not going to judge you against another believer. He's going to judge you based on His Word and on the abilities He's given you. Amen. Amen? Amen? Speaking of words. I could go on and talk for a while. I'm going to not do it too much. About how God's going to bring into judgment every idle word we ever spoke. I wonder how many of our words will be burned up. Words of gossip. Complaining. Anger. Slander. Words meant to hurt. All those words will be burned up. And they will have produced for you nothing.
1: Amen.
0: But the Scripture says that those gentle and kind and loving, truthful, <coughs> encouraging words, those words of forgiveness and healing, those words of truth from the Scripture uh, that we care enough about people to say to them, <coughs> those words they'll abide. And for those words, you'll have a reward. Let's talk about rewards. It's a long sermon. If you're visiting, you picked a great day. Sometimes we preach at home.
1: Uh,
0: John MacArthur said, uh, I, I I can't remember how the little quote went, but it was funny. When we were there at that conference, he said, he said, some people will say, you preach so long, nobody can worship. And he said, I tell him you preach so short, nobody knows what worship is. <laughs> so we we'll figure it out somewhere in between. But. Look at verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Amen? Yeah. Now listen, I believe what I preach from here to the end of this message is probably the most important part of it. So if I bored you up until this point, you've tuned out, check back in for a minute because I want you to hear this part. Eternity, heaven, may not be exactly like you think it will be. It may not be exactly what you have in mind. I think most Christians have convinced themselves or been convinced that heaven and eternity is going to be a place where everyone's the same where everybody has all the same things and everybody has access to the same things and all believers get to feel the same way and it's all the same for everyone and it's all just, everybody will be happy over there. But the Bible says there is a greatest and a least in the kingdom. The Bible says when we read in Scripture And I can't tell you everything about eternity because I don't know it. I only have the Scripture to go on, but the Scripture is so clear. There will be rewards in eternity and everybody won't have the same ones. They won't be the same. I don't get everything that somebody else gets. My works determine that. Let me show you. You know, I I believe that, and and I've been guilty so much of my Christian life to practically take no thought for eternity. No thought for eternal rewards. Just, Just being in the mindset of as long as I make it. As long as I make it. And I believe sometimes when I look at myself, I'm not talking about you. But when I look at myself, it's because I've been so satisfied with so little of God down here, I must think I'll be satisfied with so little of God up there. But that's a a different kingdom. That's a a different place. It's not the same as it is here. And I think a lot of churchgoers today are in that same boat where they don't really think about heaven and its treasures and its eternity and its rewards. You know, the Scripture says, naked we came from our mother's womb and naked we shall return. It's certain we brought nothing into the world and it's certain we can take nothing out. Amen? Amen? Amen. But there is something that you can take with you. Yes. There is something that you can. Let me show you in Revelation chapter 14, right. verses 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works follow them.
1: Amen. Yes. Amen.
0: What about that? No, you can't take your home. No, you can't take your money. No, you can't take your clothes. No, you can't take all the things you've accumulated. But what you will take to that day with you is the works of your life. They will follow you there. Revelation 22, 12, he says, I behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his worth. He's telling the church, I'm coming quickly. But when I come, I'll I'll come and I'll be ready to reward you based on your works. Your works do not determine your salvation. You're not saved by works, but your works in this life as a believer follow you into eternity. And while many hate to hear it this morning, some will receive a greater reward than others. And I cannot tell you what the rewards will be because He doesn't tell us what they'll be. That's right. But He does tell us this in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Most of us have spent the majority of our life doing that very thing. Yeah. Where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yeah. Treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah. Do you think this morning if he, th- if he took the time to say to lay them up, we ought to consider really laying some up?
1: Yeah.
0: How, preacher? How? Listen. Offer up your lives a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable unto God. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Offer up your life as a sacrifice to God. Let your mind be renewed in this truth that Paul has shared to the Corinthian church, which is there's no time to be carnal. There's no time for petty arguments. There's no time for all those things. We've got judgment coming just any day. There's a work to be done. And you're going to want some of those good rewards that God has laid up in store for believers. But you only can lay them up here and now. There'll be no time to lay them up once you're there. When you get there, you get what you earned. Amen. Let me, let, me, let me do this. this. This is a hard thing for us to understand. Because we we want to believe that when we get there to that day, that we'll just run through the gates of heaven and and, and enjoy its splendor. But according to this scripture on this day, we're going to stand before Christ in judgment and many is going to have a lot of regrets. In verse 15, he said, if anyone's work is burned, that wood and hay and stubble, that wood, hay and straw, if anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. Oh, he'll be saved. He himself will be saved. Yet so is through fire. To suffer loss. Those are words we don't often hear when we think about a believer going on to eternity. <clears throat> but on that day, what's going to happen, guys, is many carnal, selfish, self-minded Christians <clears throat> are going to have their lives exposed. <clears throat> and all their works burnt up. The foundation will be there. The foundation is sure. But they'll have regrets. They most certainly will. The best, much of this message, I studied and studied, and much of this message I got um, as as I prayed and read the Word. But I listened to a message from another man. And it was was very powerful. And there was about four minutes at the end where he talks about this scripture that I can't preach as good as he did. So I'm going to let you hear that. I just want you to listen to it. And I know that's strange. It's not normal church. But I want you to hear it from this man's mouth. And I want you to hear what he says about this.
1: Hopefully we can. One of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to be judged as servants. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. You say, when I pass the office, I may not be gold and silver precious stones. I may only be worthy of but hey, it's it's bound to be all good up there. (laughs) I mean, if I just get there. Man, that, that, that's all right for me. I don't necessarily have to have all these rewards because, my goodness, the worst place in heaven would be better than anything I've ever known. So, just so long as I get there. I'm telling you, I know that. I know that's the way a lot of people think, and that's the way some of you are thinking right now. You know, if I just get to heaven, if I get to the foundation, if I've say, hey, it's all right with me. Well, I can't explain it. Maybe I'll understand someday. But I can read the Bible which says that if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Did you hear that? Let me illustrate it. I don't know how you're going to suffer loss. I don't know what God is going to do. But here's the way I often illustrate it. Suppose there's a man. He doesn't have a belief in dance. So he has all of his securities, his stocks, his bonds, all his cash, all his jewelry, all his household goods, everything that he values, he keeps in his house. And he has his family in his house. One night he wakes up coughing, choking. He opens his eyes and the room is filled with smoke. And flames are dancing on the walls. The timbers in the roof are creaking and groaning and caving in but walls are caving in the entire house is engulfed in flames this man has no time to go to the dresser and retrieve his valuables his stocks his bonds his securities his money he has no time even to wake his children and get them out he has no time even to get his wife. The house is caving in right now. He just runs and leaps through the wall, fingers on his clothes. And as he leaps out to the burning wall, the house just caves in. And he hears the anguished cries, the screams of his children as they perish in the flames. He hears his wife screaming for help, but he can do nothing. He stands there and he watches his life's work go in smoke. And he brushes the embers from his pajamas and he says to a neighbor who's come to stand there, well, hallelujah, I got out. I'm saved. I'm saved. How wonderful. Let's do it on time and buy stake and celebrate. They say, oh no, pastor, he wouldn't do that. I'm going to tell you something, Frank. You may be saved. But if you see your loved ones die and go to hell because of your carnal life. If you see all that you live for, dream for, scheme for, work for, grow up in flames, I can't explain it altogether. But I'm going to tell you, it will be sad. It will be crazy. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. We trust that God has blessed you as you've listened to this message. If you'd like to know how we to begin a person...
0: I thought that was a powerful illustration. I don't know what it'll be like. But I don't want to watch my life go up in smoke. I want to have some treasures. Amen. Amen. I want to come to God and say, God, some of the work I did, and I know I failed a lot. I mean, I, I i know as I stand here right now, there's been lots of things I've done just for me. I know that. But I've got a choice I can make today. I can, I can pick it up and move forward and say, you know what? I, I want to do my work for the Lord. I want to have the right attitude and the right motives and I want to have the right mindset and I don't want to get distracted by worldly carnal things and little fusses and fights. That's what was going on in the Corinthian church. Things that had things that were just distracting them from what was important. Christ and him crucified, spreading the gospel, preparing for that day. And everything else was a distraction. Everything else was just work of the enemy coming in and, and, and trying to move one out and move this one in and do this work and do that work. And we can fall victim to that. Yeah. But I don't want us to. Amen. I don't want us to. Instead, I want us to come together and say, I want to get my eyes on Christ. Amen. I, I, I want to prepare for this day. Listen, I, I love you all. I want to help you have treasure on that day. I want you to help me have treasure on that day. I want us to work together as a body to say we can lay up treasure in heaven Amen. so that when we get there, we don't have to be ashamed at His appearing. We can stand and rejoice. Amen. and Say, God, what we did, we did with a pure heart and we did it for You. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet.